Sometimes you just need to talk to your mom, especially in times like these. So I decided to call my mom and talk to her today on the podcast. My mom is the type of person who has survived all kinds of things. During my interview with my mother, there's a lot of giggling, which was really a relief. I've decided to leave in our giggling and small talk because I need, like all of us, a little levity in moments like this. My mother, as my friends and family will tell you, is a character, but she's a really smart cookie. So I thought I would share her story with you today. Our connection wasn't very good. My mom's laptop happened to break down about two days ago. So after about three hours of trying to use different types of recording apps, we finally figured out we could use Skype from my computer to her cell phone. You can imagine the audio isn't perfect, but the story is important, so I'm sharing it anyway. Thank you. I can't see because I can't see that close to me. Uh, okay, oh, that's right. You're on your phone. Yeah. It's not important. Okay. You yeah. look like a big shot, though, at a movie theater or a movie, <laughs> movie, you know, where they make movies. <laughs> Hollywood. Oh, my God. I love you. The director. Sound okay. Director. Should we get this thing in the can before, okay. <laughs> before your phone dies? Is your phone Roll charged? Roll the reel. Roll the reel. Okay. I'm going to turn my phone <laughs> off. Okay. All right. Okay. Mom. I'm right here. I know. Hey, Mom. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Tony. I've been looking forward to it all day. Uh, me too. Especially the last three hours that we figured <laughs> out Skype. <laughs> now that I have Skype on. Well, I love you. It's uh, been, it was nice because it gave us a little something to do together. Yeah, I had a good time. Will you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Where are you at the moment? I'm in my home in Palm Coast, Florida. Um, could you catch me up? Oh, sorry. Catch you up. Well, I was going to ask you another question. Well, that was fast. Well, I didn't know you were going to say anything else <laughs> about where you lived. I don't want the exact address. <laughs> Why don't you give me your social security number, too? <laughs> you wanted to know where I was. Well, I mean, that's about all I want to know. I don't want them showing up at your doorstep. Okay. <laughs> I mean, right. I know. I mean, what were you going to say? And I have a I lovely house that's on the golf the course. <laughs> what was the question? The, the question was, where are you at the moment? <laughs> I am in my home in Florida, Flagler County, Florida, <laughs> in self isolation mm-hmm. since last Friday. And plan on staying safe in my home until the next time I have to go out and get groceries. Could you please catch me up on what's going on? Um, I think I, I'm caught up. I read a lot today, but you know things are happening so fast. It looks like all the schools are closed now. Are there any states that still have schools open that you can tell of? I cannot tell you that because I haven't been watching the news today. Uh-huh. I've, been, I've been trying to get hooked up for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, due to your interview on the podcast, you did not have time to prepare for the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I've been watching everything. Of course, you know me. I like to be well informed. Yeah. 
But as I say, right now, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. The status quo is that we get different information Mm -hmm. from various sources. Mm -hmm. We were told this morning by one of Trump's surrogates Mm -hmm. that we should continue to go out to restaurants and bars. This morning? Yes. Didn't he just get on TV about an hour ago and make a different statement? Yes. So that's typical of what's going on. But of course, we've been told for days now to stay out of crowds. And bars and restaurants are closing all over the country. I haven't seen anything mandatory come down yet. I'm looking down the road myself at hospital beds. Through my calculations... The percentage of the of the population that will become ill enough that needs to go to the hospital and the amount of hospital beds we have, there will be 62 patients for each bed. Oh, my God. Yeah. How did you come up with that? Well, it's supposed to be 17% of the population, yada, yada, yada. I just listened and, and made a quick calculation, and that's what I came up with. And I would like to see the Army or the Pentagon get the go to take control of some of the issues that we have. Number one, they could set up mass unit type hospital facilities all over the country in conjunction with existing hospitals. Mm-hmm. Mom, what are you, are you, are you, are you yes, doing something I there? I was doing something. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a case to start about. I would like to see some of the major hotels come through and uh, allow the, their hotels to be used as hospital facilities. I thought I like that idea. I was thinking that too. Um, so I'm going to interrupt because you mentioned the Pentagon and I'd like the listeners to know that you, you worked at the Pentagon. Um, how many years ago did you retire? I retired at the end of 2012. And you started on September 10th of 2001. That's the day before 9-11. That's correct. So you worked at the Pentagon. You were there. It was your second day of work that Tuesday. Yes, it was. Um, Since you're my biggest fan, I assume you heard episode six with Giacomo Silardi. Yes, I did. It was very interesting. We talked about social norms and behavior in regards to the current pandemic. And it reminded me of how many of your coworkers were essentially having the same, it won't happen to me, reaction. If I'm not mistaken, you were the one who told everybody in the room that it was time to get out. The story on exiting the Pentagon took place in the stairwell leading from the fifth floor to the ground level. There were approximately 30 people ahead of me, and as we exited the, the various floors, more and more people were getting in line behind us. When the first person reached the exit door on the ground level, mm-hmm. she stopped and did not open the door, but read the sign, emergency exit only, alarm will sound, do not open. I told her plainly that this was an emergency and that she should open the door immediately. 
which of course she did. Good call, Mom. I'm glad you could keep your calm. She must have just been in, in such shock that she couldn't process it. Exactly. Everyone was in shock. And that's what Giacomo was talking about. We all, even in, when we're in the face of danger, we make bad decisions because we're in, it's a form of denial. And it, even when it's happening to us, we don't believe it's happening to us. And, and there's even a sense of guilt. Yeah, that mom? Yes. And we need a, a, some sort of leadership to assure us that we are making the right choices. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you took that role in that moment. What I also find surprising is you were called into work the next day on September 12th, 2001, despite the fact that the building was still smoldering. Yes, it was on fire for five days, but we had to work through it because I was in the real estate management department and we needed to find places for the workforce to continue their missions. So not everyone was called in. How many people would you say had to come back and work? Like dozens or hundreds? I would say normally there are 30,000 people in that building on a daily basis. And I would say there would probably have been less than 200 working while the building was on fire. Wow. That must have been really haunting. It was the worst part for me were the odors from the fire. Mm -hmm. It was very traumatic. You're telling me some things that I don't, you never told me before. I think um, maybe you weren't ready to tell me. I just don't like going back over it. Yeah, I don't blame you. I um, Thank you for telling me, Mom. Sure. People in the second tower... Mm -hmm. They started to evacuate, and they were told not to leave the building, that, that they were safe there, that the oh fire God. was in the other building, yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah. So they went back to, to their spaces, which only goes to show mm -hmm. you have to use your own judgment in any yeah. kind of situation. That's exactly what I feel you've taught me in life in general. Mm-hmm. My you little know. Montessori girl. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I was like a little free range chicken, man. Montessori and a shrink for a dad. <laughs> uh, I love you guys. <laughs> love you. So, and you know, you called me. I love you too. You called me. I just finished work and I got a message from you. I think it was a, a text message. And, um, and it said, you know, go, go go grocery shopping now. They're running out of food in Milan. And I was like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll go after. I got to get something to eat. I was starving. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'll go tomorrow, you know. And then maybe five, maybe ten minutes later, dad sends me a message. Same thing. Neither of you ever tell me what to do. What did he say? I almost the identical thing. And so I was like, I can't believe mom and dad, they must have called each other and talked about it. You know what oh. I mean? Uh -huh. seemed like you guys, you were right the same message within 10 minutes of each other. Hmm. So that's, you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm, I might be hungry, but I got to go do this. Cause if it's as bad as they say, I'm, you know, uh -huh. I don't need to wait. So I went to the grocery store and it was, it was intense. I mean, it was the first day that people were starting to uh -huh. catch on down here in Florence. The day prior to that, I had already gone 
looked for hand sanitizer and they had already run out of it everywhere. Thankfully, I listened because it made me more aware of the situation around me and I began to stay home whenever possible. And I just figured it made sense to not go out if I didn't have to. I, I declined lots of invitations to lunches and dinners and drinks and stuff like that. I mean, seriously, like that, that phone call was what kind of got me to wake up, you know? And that was good. I'm glad that your dad and I uh, got you a couple steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do right now with this podcast is just get anyone who will listen, who hasn't yet decided to stay home, anyone in any country who still has a fighting chance to make safer choices than we made here in Italy. I don't fault the Italian government nor citizens. We were the first to be struck in Europe by what initially seemed like something similar to SARS and by what many were passing off as just another type of flu. We just didn't have enough information to make educated choices, and neither did the government, from what I can tell. But now there are doctors and nurses risking their lives around the clock to save us here in Italy. Resources are tapped out, and there's only so much they can do to help us because we did not stay home soon enough, which allowed the virus to spread rapidly. We probably could have saved ourselves had we started this quarantine about three or four weeks ago. That's me speculating on the timeline, but based on the rapid increase of cases and deaths here in Italy, I'd say we should have started at least three weeks ago. But I can't go back in the past and change that. So I choose to at least warn you who are in the future. I'm choosing to tell all of you. Now is the time. Don't wait till you are also asking why you waited too long. Just do it. Do it now. Stop thinking or ignoring or hoping it won't happen to you. Just stop it. Stay home. I know it might not be easy to make that happen. Logistically, it's difficult, but it is simply the only way to slow down the spread of this virus while experts work on making a vaccine and while medical staff are already treating the people who have it. I keep saying it, and I feel like at least some people are starting to get it, but still too many are not. States have closed schools. Some daycares are still open, which is frightening to me. People are still going to hairdressers and eating out. I'm seeing all of this in slow motion like a bad dream, and I'm trying to shake all of you and tell you what I can to help you save yourselves. I've seen footage of huge crowds in places like Nashville, kids dancing till 6 a.m. in London. Today is St. Patrick's Day. This is traditionally a day that everybody goes out and parties, but not today, guys. Today, you need to stay home. And government needs to step up in all countries, regardless of their party or political structure, and make that phone call, just like my mom and dad made to me. There are times to trust your citizens to make wise choices on their own, but there are times governments must exercise the authority that they have for the better of their citizens. If you are listening, please stay home. Please don't think only of the business you own, the money that will be lost, the threat of authority telling you what to do. Please think of your health, the better of your town, your family, your state, your country, In the long run, for the better of the world, it is in many ways an invisible menace. It is intangible, but we now see how much it can devastate. So stay home. 
Keep calm, but keep to yourselves for a little while. Don't think of it as self-isolation. Tell yourself it's a staycation or a retreat. For those of you with kids, this is even more important and difficult, but think of it as an adventure. Play and make art and read and bond. And when and if you need to, take a minute and scream into a pillow when no one is looking. This is going to be the hardest for people who cannot afford to not work. And doctors and nurses will be busy saving your lives or the lives of people you know. So for their sake, stay home. It will lower their chances of catching a virus we cannot afford to lose them to. Mom, do you have anything to add? Yes, I do. And it's interesting that we started the conversation discussing the Pentagon and 9-11. Because what I'm adding is something that I've often thought of. And that would be that for some reason with you living in Italy a situation would occur and and you would be isolated over there and I wouldn't be able to get to you and you wouldn't be able to get home and I always suspected it would be from terrorism and you know this is the situation instead with this virus but uh, it's very difficult having you over there and I know it's hard for you but we have a lot of love coming your way and statistically, you're doing well. So just keep it up. Stay isolated. Okay, Mom. Thank you for calling me that day. I'm really glad you did. And I'm glad I listened to you. Of course. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Okay, see you soon. Okay. Yeah. I'm just staying home. Just yep, like stay doing. home. That's the only thing you can do. Yeah. What was that picture you sent me? It looked like it was about 400 servings of soup. <laughs> what was that? It was a, you sent it to me, I think, in an email, and it says they're not getting me. Oh, yeah, and... yeah. It's my survival food. It's like 84 <laughs> meals and so many desserts <laughs> and so many beverages. What is it all in one box? Is it already ready yes. to go? I no. It's all freeze dried. Yeah, yeah. And it's gourmet. <laughs> I got the gourmet. <laughs> what do you have to mix it with water? I guess so. I bought lots of water. <laughs> and so far, we haven't had any water problems, but I bought water anyway. Yeah. Um, I would imagine if I get desperate enough that I have to open that and start eating it, that uh, it will taste gourmet by that time. So. <laughs> What are you going to do if it's really good? Are you going to be like, damn, I wish I hadn't waited this long? <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a problem. 